Welcome to Inspiration Narratives, a short series of conversation highlighting creatives from underrepresented communities. In honoring their work and creativity, we take a deeper dive into the times, moments, and influences that encapsulates why these creatives do what they do, and if, how, and where they use their medium to celebrate the cultures they come from. These are the stories that need to be told. This is Inspiration Narrative. My my approach has always been, I want for Black people, period, regardless of how you identify and your sexual orientation or your gender, um, your, 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 your economic background, your educational background, whatever, wherever you're from, my, my, my goal, one of my goals is to make sure that I'm showing other Black people that no matter what, you can, you can be in places and do things that you may not have thought you had license to do. Um, and I show that, and this isn't me necessarily saying, you know, I'm, I'm pressed to be accepted by white people or any other racial group. Um, this is me saying, if you like something, um, go see about it, go do it, go explore it. You know what I mean? If you want to know what something is about, go explore that and go explore that interest. Cause you never know what it'll lead to. Um, and there's been many times in my life where I was the only black person in the room, you know? Um, and I know that could be very uncomfortable for, for people. I know for me, it was very uncomfortable, um, because I grew up around, I grew up in a majority black, um, environment, um, in a majority black, uh, um, area. So, um, but I know there are times where like, so there's something like I'm really, really interested in. And I'm like, I'm going to go see about it. As long as no one's threatening my life or just actively wanting to make me uncomfortable um, in that space, I'm going to be in there, you know? Um, and even if it means I have to sometimes take my friends and family with me to show them like, it's okay. It's cool. You know what I mean? Like nothing bad is going to happen. You know, um, I do that too. I say I take people on field trips all the time. You know, I'll never forget, I took a good friend. He's like a brother to me, um, my, my, my brother, my good brother, Ibrahim. I talk about him often because like we're really, really close. Um, and I took him, I remember the first time I took him to a ramen shop in D.C. Um, because I knew how he grew up. Um, you know, he grew up, he grew up poor, you know, and, um, you know, his only experience with ramen was with, you know, a pack of ramen noodles. You get, you know, 10 cent a pop from the store. Um, and uh, you know, he was very hesitant. He was very hesitant because for him, ramen was a trigger of the poverty that he no longer has to experience, um, that he was able to work his, himself out of. And I was like, this is completely different. You know, if it weren't for the ramen that I want you to experience today, there would be no Marushan or top ramen noodles. It wouldn't be any of that. Um, and so I took him. I even, and then I saw, okay, I'm going to have to pay for his meal because he was really not, he wasn't, he wasn't buying into it. So I, I, I bought it. Ramen's not expensive. I mean, it's not expensive by American standards. <laughs> it's expensive by Japanese standards. And so um, I took him and he loved it. Like first bite, he was like, yo, you know, again, you helped me get past my own reluctance to experience, um, experience life just because I had some bad experience in the past, you know? Uh, and now, even though I don't live in, in D.C. anymore, you know, 
I see him on the gram and he's like moving, he's doing things that I just, when I first met him, I wouldn't even have imagined him doing, you know, like public speaking, all these different things, you know, like really, really putting himself out there in a way that, you know, he probably didn't even imagine. But again, sometimes it takes this actively um, showing somebody, you know, like actively teaching somebody how to fish and showing them like you, you belong, you belong here because you, um, you are capable of experiencing this and understanding what's happening and speaking to it and, and, and using that to share the same knowledge with somebody else um, that is coming behind you, whether it's your children, whether it's a friend, whether it's you as a mentor to mentees, whether it's students, whatever the case may be. Um, and so again, I operate from that space. Um, I know that as a, um, and I, and it's not, it's, I'm not, I'm not an advocate or an activist, um, within the trans community, but I do, whenever I am in these, in, have the opportunity, um, to speak about myself, um, I do talk about my trans identity because, you know, two things. One, as my profile increases, I know, um, people are going to look up, look for some dirt on me or something. <laughs> and, and not saying that's a dirty thing, but, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm hiding it. Um, hiding my identity because it's easy to do because I do have what's called passing privilege as most transgender men do um, have compared to transgender women, which is why you don't often hear about trans men in the media uh, for good or for bad because you can't, um, as, as the gay boys say, you can't clock us. Um, but for the most part, you can't clock us. Um, but, um, you know, I bring that up um, for that reason. So, you know, no one can say I was, I was trying to hide that um, and try to use that against me. And two, I bring it up because um, I, want, I want other trans men, young trans men to know, like, you don't have to be, you don't have to just be sectioned off and, 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 and in this, this one area. Like, you know, um, anybody you talk to with half a mind, um, in the in the trans community will tell you like you don't have to be an advocate you don't have to be an activist it's good to have advocates and activists um, you know fighting for um, you know better treatment of, of of people who may not have um, the most privilege or whatever the case may be but um, if that's not something that you're passionate about don't do it don't feel obligated to do it um, if you want to be in the position that I'm in where, you know, no, I'm not rich. Um, and by any stretch of the, of, of the word, the definition, but, you know, I've been in a lot of rooms and a lot of places where, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people who identify as I do, especially as a black trans person, couldn't even imagine. Um, and I've always been true to myself, you know, I, I, and I've always represented you know, who I am and where I'm from in that way. And, you know, I remember once um good friend's fiance, she once said to me, like, yeah, you hang around a lot of guys, you know, as in like a lot of cisgender or biological, you know, which whichever makes most sense to people, um, men. And um and I was like, Yeah, I do. Um, whereas, you know, that's not the case for a lot of trans people, even trans men. Um, many trans men, especially a lot of that, a lot of trans men that we see in the media, um, they came up through, um, their social networks, um, are, are all based in the, the, 
the LGBTQ community, um, that wasn't the case for me because I always followed my interests. Um, and my interests led me beyond that community. Um, and so many of my friends are um, men who were born male and still identify as such. Um, and I know that even in that, I've, I've always been accepted and I wasn't looking for acceptance, it just happened, but I've always been accepted by groups of people who usually wouldn't be most accepting of people like myself before or after the transition because I've been myself, you know, and that's, that's the key. You gotta, you just gotta be yourself and you gotta just find your tribe and find your lane in that way. And my lane may not necessarily be your lane, but if it's a lane that you're interested in, you know, I want to show you like you can live, you can live in this lane and you'll be fine. You know, um, it's, it's totally doable. It's totally possible. So just do it, you know, just do it, you know, um, but don't be a goofy. <laughs> and so that I said at the end of my podcast, don't be a goofy. Like you got a lot of people out here being goofies and that's just, that's not cool. That's not cool. And that's where people end up getting, they start feeling away and they're just like, eh, eh, I don't know about this person. I, I think that they are pandering to a specific, um, they're pandering to a specific narrative or, 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 or something like that. And that's when you start getting into this whole like gay agenda thing and all this stuff. And it's, that's, but that's another conversation for another. Um, again, you know, I, I always lead in my, in my creative expression and my output and the work I do and why I do it, you know, not only am I doing it because it makes me feel good and it's something I'm interested in, I'm doing it because I want black people to see um, who may not believe that they can, that they can live in this, um, they, regardless of whatever, whatever boxes they may check beyond just being. What would you say the experience is like um, since you transitioned, but also being a part of the LGBTQ community before the transition, right? So I guess just being LGBT, LGB, LGBTQ, I guess. Um, uh, well, but I, before the transition, I identified as lesbian. Um, right. So, so you were part of the community. So then, what was yeah. What what would you say the experience is like being an LGBTQ creative, a media creative? Um, mm. Just I think it's interesting because you come from two underrepresented communities, um, one being Black, the other obviously being LGBTQ. So mm. what has your experience been like being, being a person from an underrepresented community uh, or being a media person from an underrepresented community and being a creative of a media creative in that industry? Um, you know, my experience has pretty much been the same, to be honest. Um, I really didn't experience, I've been, I've been very, very blessed to not experience, have experienced like much discrimination in my life. You know, um, I definitely want to, um, always put out there that I, we always talk about privilege, privilege is a buzzword these days. Um, and I always talk about the privilege that I've had, you know, um, and, you know, so I, it was, it was pretty much been the same. I've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of great opportunities. Um, and I think also on the flip side of that, I think perhaps maybe because I was a masculine identified lesbian, um, maybe I, I was passed over. Um, you know, um, 
I won't say that's always the case, you know, could definitely have been, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, the best, the best talent in the room. Um, my resume wasn't the strongest, you know, I also want to put that out there too, because I believe in, you know, you got to do the work um, and you got to really, really like, you know, bring your A game every time. But I do think also just um, there were moments where I was just like, I do think that I, I didn't get certain looks because I was a masculine identified lesbian. Um, and I, I took it on the chin. I took it on the chin. And I just kept on pushing. But more often than not, you know, I've, I, my, my experience hasn't really changed as a, as a creative and in, in, as far as within media um, before or after. Um, I- what, when you think about just your journey as a creative um, and media in general, um, from when you started, is there a moment that encapsulates like that, that you look back at and you're like, and tells like or a story that you can share around like why you got into or why why you want yes i know okay i'll tell you this really dates back to why i even had any aspirations to work within the entertainment industry whatsoever um puff was the inspiration for me wanting to work in the entertainment industry i remember when I was about what, maybe twelve years old. Mind you, I was already familiar with Puff, um, Diddy, however you want to refer to him. I still call him Puff, but um, I'm aging myself. <laughs> but um, you know, um, I think I was about twelve, and I I was already familiar with him. But um, I was about twelve, and I saw the video, one uh, twelve's video for Only You, and I don't know what it was about this video, um. And just seeing him in it and and and, and whatnot, um, and I was just like, "Yo, I want to be." First, it went from I want to be a producer, then it was, um, so I was hell bent on that for for a long time. And then I was about sixteen or seventeen, and I saw the uh, this is back when Behind the Music was coming on VH1, and um, I saw the Behind the Music for uh, Studio Fifty Four. And, you know, I still wasn't, even though I was sneaking in the clubs, had a fake ID, but, um, you know, I, you know, had only, I was on, at that time, I had only ever heard advertising for, for nightclubs where it's like, you know, the guy on the radio screaming, talking about uh, free before midnight and you better be there or whatever. And, you know, just really just it was a lot being real extra, but it worked. Um, when I saw that, uh, document, not document, but that behind the music, I was really impressed. And I was just like, wow, you know, um, even in my brief and very limited, um, nightlife experience, even as a, as an underage person, you know, I was my, it was very, you know, rough. Um, so seeing that I was like, yo, it would be so dope to do a club like that. And this is what I'm thinking at 16, 17 years old. Um, and so I had never forgotten the name Steve Rubell or Ian Schrager. I know Steve Rubell is dead now, but Ian Schrager, you know, every time um, a piece of media comes out about him, I read it, I listen to it, whatever the case may be. I actually just listened to um, an episode of a podcast called Part of My French that he was on very recently. Um, and talking about, you know, just, so the story is pretty similar a lot of times. You know, he talks about when he, Steve did, Studio 54, um, and then when he 
you know, came out of jail and then they got back into they got into the hotel business and now, you know, he's got the addition with Marriott and he's getting ready to open up public and all these different things. Um, so um from there I was like, you know, I would like to go into nightlife and it would be dope to do a club like that where, you know, you can hand pick and curate how you want the the the, the patronage to look like inside. You know, um and then from there I was on my way to Howard University the following year. And um, I hadn't turned 18 yet, but um, I heard an ad on the radio for Dream Nightclub, which became Love, um, which neither no longer exists. But um, that was um, that was a uh, Mark Barnes's uh, in DC. That was Mark Barnes's uh, most uh, notable um, nightclub operation, um, even more so than the Park at 14th that's open today, um, and. Um, the ad for that, I was the first time I ever heard a woman with like a sexy, sultry voice on a club promotion. And I just thought, yo, that's so crazy. So um, me wanting to go into media was more so um, as a result of me wanting to go into entertainment in general, because I still wanted to be a producer and a music producer. And I still wanted to have a record label and I still wanted to have a nightclub, um, but I had no idea how I was gonna do any of that. Like I went to audio engineering school in New York and I um, <laughs> thought I was gonna end up working for a label or something and that didn't happen. And um, then I went back to DC and I was just like, yo, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just down here spinning my wheels, just working jobs and not really doing anything, but I still have these aspirations. So then I started blogging. So that's when the media thing started happening. Um, like what we know of as media today, as far at least on the digital side. And um, so I started um, posting events that were happening around town. And then I said, well, I want to interview some of these people. So um, I would go, I had like a little point and shoot camera and I would just film people. This was like 2009. Um, I started just filming interviews of people, um, like local artists who were rappers or singers, um, DJs, and then I got connected with uh, Winston Ford at the Couch Sessions. And um, from there, that's when I was able to start um, doing interviews with um, more celebrities and more notable um, individuals. And um, I said, okay, well maybe I'm really on to something. And I would like, you know, write reviews of, of like events and things, do event recaps and what have you. But um, talking to people, I, I've learned that I had like a niche for that. Um, it just came naturally. Um, and, um, I did that for a while, then I fell off of that, and then I said, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm, I wasn't even thinking about being a music producer anymore, uh, but I wanted to work in the music industry. I wanted to work in the office, you know, A&R, marketing, something like that, PR, um, and I wanted to, um, what happened was I ended up getting um, a position at um, Armand de Brignac Champagne, well, Champagne Armand de Brignac. Um, better known as Ace of Spades. And I was working as a public relations assistant. This is 2010. Um, and that was cool. But um, that position ended and they did some, they made some changes in their, in their structure. The, the, the woman who was my boss, she left and yeah, it was, it was, it was some things that went on there, but um, I left and um, again, Went, then I went back and I went into nightlife. That's where Rock Creek Social Club came. 
um, into play. And I was a co-founder, of, uh, I am a co-founder of Rock Creek Social Club, um, which has now become um, more than just a uh, party promotions entity, but a, uh, um, a actual creative marketing agency. I'm no longer with them. But um, all of this, I, each, in each, all of these iterations, um, media played a role because I knew how to manipulate and use the different, the different types of new media that existed um, to my advantage, whether it was, you know, doing um, video interviews with, with, with talent um, of, uh, on any level, whether it was um, making sure that we were using the right um, social media um, captions and, and tweets and timing and SEO and all of that type of stuff. Um, um, when I was with um, Rock Creek Social Club, more so than when I um, started blogging, I had my blog called The Glass House, um, and because uh, I had learned a little bit more about it by that point, but um, about SEO and all that type of stuff. Um, so then, by the time I went, I started flying solo a couple years after Rock Creek Social Club with um, all the fly kids, which initially started off as a party. So you see, there's a been a, there's a back and forth with like media and nightlife and with me. Um, and or media and events, I'll say that. Um, I I had a pretty good idea of how I was going to do it. And even the podcast thing, that just kind of happened. A friend was like, you should podcast. And I was hesitant about it because I was like, there's a bunch of podcasts. and I'm not famous. Who won't hear me? But I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I did it. And um, again, I built, I built the fan base. I'm not getting millions of downloads yet. Um, but, you know, I, I want to be... Um, up there with the Joe Rogans of the world and 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 Joe Buttons even, you know, um, as, with, as a podcaster. But also I want to get in, back into the visual element as well, where I'm still talking to people, but people can also see what's happening. And um, I want to I want to do events um, because I have a love for lifestyle um, that is very very important. Where I need to get that out um, in a creative way as well beyond just the media component. So um, for me, just media, um, media and lifestyle, had I known that in 2019 that my early aspirations and interest in media and entertainment and nightlife would culminate into me just being a, um, a lifestyle, culture, creative and media, um, I wouldn't have believed you. But even with all those, you know, fits and starts, like, um, I, um, I'm grateful for it. And I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that it's going to turn into something major, um, very soon. I'm, I'm really actually just talking this out and thinking back on everything I've done and my experiences in a very, you know, concise way. Um, I know that, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a stride very soon. And um I definitely wouldn't have done it any Is there any anybody from the LGBTQ community that was an influence in this at all? Like anybody that you looked up to other than some of the people you mentioned, like Mark and Ian Strager and Steve, right? Like is it was there and is there anybody from the LGBTQ community that was a source of inspiration or not so much a person, but I'll definitely say there is an element of culture within the community that to this day um, is a huge 
inspiration and I even get excited about it because it falls into that that whole nightlife component. Um and that is the um the uh the ball circuit. So um I don't know if you watched Pose, but um Pose I'm sure is what gave most people who weren't already familiar a real look into what ball culture and houses um are are like in the purpose that they serve. I was never a member of a house. Um and I'll just give some quick like background like background on what a house is. So basically a house um is think of it like a clubhouse or but it's a it's a it's a it's a it's where a lot of people who are part of the LGBTQ community who were disowned or um um by their family after coming out or who were unable to find opportunities to support themselves and, you know, were homeless or whatever, who were just in really disadvantaged situations. Um, they come together um, and they find support um, through, um, through just a network of peers, housing, um, all these different things. There's house mothers uh, who, you know, are exactly how they sound, house mothers. They're looking after all the younger people in the, um, in the house um and there's a there's a negative um component um that's associated with houses you know like um theft and things like that but um i mean that's to be that is to be expected when you're dealing with um you're dealing with a a, a group of people who you know don't really have much to begin with um and so they're still in survival mode so they're going to do whatever they got to do to 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 survive um but um in this in this culture they in this in these houses there's there's the ball the ball scene and where you know which dates back to like uh um uh, what is it um harlem renaissance um period and where the 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 gay folks and i'm sure even trans folk who existed at that time um would come together in, in these different um venues in harlem and like put on their 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 best wares um and as as a way to express themselves um as if they were able to be a part of um mainstream society and high society downtown um and so and there would be different categories they can compete in um and well, that they can compete in um whether and you win awards you win trophies things like that um when there's a charitable charitable aspect to like they'll do fundraisers these different houses and whatnot a lot of these houses are named after fashion houses and things like that like Rahi or uh, balenciaga um just to name a few um and the dance style of dance that came from that as well um voguing which um there's two types there's old way and there's new way um old way is way more precise whereas new way comes off as more like a street style of dance but um that culture is something that has been very inspirational for me um something i get excited about um to this day whenever i see anything in in the media about um the uh the ball scene and and, and things like that because um much of like style fashion that we like today um the language that we use the words that we use um came from that scene you know um, so it's inspirational to me because, you know, it's people living out loud and knowing, and, and I now know that a lot of these people knew, knew that they were influencing mainstream culture in a way that mainstream culture did not even know. 
thinking about that for a long time, I guess. Right. Um, for me. And now identifying as uh, a, a transgender person as a creative and media and looking at June in general, what does being um, creative and then being a creative that's a part of an underrepresented community like LGBTQ plus? Pride Month, the, 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 whole, the whole notion of Pride Month is very interesting to me because I remember when Pride Month was not a thing. Um, I remember when a lot of these Pride celebrations um, were not even, even maybe with the exception of like uh, maybe like a dinosaur um, that happens out in Palm Springs every year. Um, a lot of these, these, these um, celebrations weren't getting sponsorship um, from companies and things like that. You didn't see rainbow uh, branding everywhere you go, like <laughs> you see now. And um, I think that is, uh, now that you do see that, I think it's cool because, you know, it shows that people in the LGBTQ community can get money. Um, but I'm... From I'm not happy in the uh, the the lack of genuine I, the lack of genuine intent that I know is there um, um, with these with these companies um, and you know I could possibly be shooting myself in the foot saying that but I I definitely want to put that out there because um I I understand what it is um, and that's cool you know but definitely get the sponsorship for whatever events are happening because events are not cheap to put on. Um, and, um, now as far as just a, an overall representation, I think that, I think it's great that the representation has increased over the years because people need to know that people who identify by any of these letters, um, I call it the alphabet soup crew, uh, cause it's a lot of letters, but, um, I, um, anybody who identifies by any of these letters, like people should know that we exist. Absolutely. Um, I do hope that more content comes out that talks about the history um in the same way that you find with other um groups of people throughout history um because we need to know that you know we didn't just come out of nowhere you know and that we you know there were struggles that people um fought before us and will continue to fight um so for me i want i would like to see way more content coming out uh, about the history of, um, of, of the LGBTQ community um, and everything that was fought for so that, um, you know, those of us who are here today to, live, to, tell, to tell about it can experience, you know, corporate branding and corporate sponsorship, you know what I mean? And corporate support. That's what I think about Pride. This is Inspiration Narrative, an age of the creative original. 